Hello and welcome to the Headache Doctor podcast. I am Dr. Taves and it's my mission to empower everyone with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything you do. And in today's podcast, we are going to accomplish that by talking about the current healthcare system and how it has failed. So, what I want to do initially is talk about a story that I have, a personal interaction I had with uh, medical students while I was in PT school. I want to uh, talk about another personal story, conversation that I had with a resident. I want to talk about how the research that's being done is not going to reveal what you at home with headaches and migraines are going to need and what our healthcare system is geared to do well. So I'll give it credit where credit's due, but I do feel like getting into the nitty gritty of our current healthcare system and will help you answer the question, why Why do I feel hopeless when I go to these doctors and no one can really answer the question of what this, where this pain is coming from, what's wrong with me? I talked to a patient earlier this week who told me that he had never heard a single provider or person that's explained his pain. And he found me on social media and was basically just thrilled that there was someone that could just acknowledge what he was going through. And so it, it, it blows people's minds that, and they feel hopeless and helpless because they go through the healthcare system. And, and not only is the doctor not able to explain what's happening, but they're just the, the patient feels like they're just given medication on a trial basis, which oftentimes is what's happening. And so it, it really does not provide much hope. Now, before I jump into this, I want to say that no matter what type of provider you're seeing and no matter what type of uh, sort of interaction you might have, oftentimes what's happening, and this is what I'm going to get into with my first story, oftentimes what's happening is it's, it's not the, the provider not caring, it's not the provider uh, being malicious or uneducated, it's just that they may have a specific skill set, but that skill set might not be catering to what you actually need. And so there, there's sort of this expectation when the patient walks into their primary care neurology office visit that that provider is the expert and they're going to know everything about headaches and migraines. And if, if they can't help me or if I'm not a good fit, then, then I'm the problem and, or I, I'm kind of a hopeless case. And this happens all the time and it's very discouraging for patients, but I want to provide you with hope and allow you to this is going to accomplish a little bit of my mission just by educating you through this. I want you to thrive or have some hope in that you're not a hopeless case. It may just be that there's a disconnect between your expectation of that provider being able to help you and what that provider was actually trained to do. So let's transition into my first story. I went through PT school, physical therapy school at the Mayo Clinic. The Mayo Clinic is world renowned and we call it the WFMC, the world famous Mayo Clinic. They see patients from all over the world. They do incredible research. There are incredible doctors there, and it is a wonderful institution. I, I feel very blessed and honored to have gone there, and uh, I would, I actually still send patients there every now and then. And it is a wonderful place to receive healthcare. Now, when I was a second year PT student, we were still in our didactic portion, so meaning we're just sitting in a classroom and taking tests. We're not in the clinic 
working with patients. We're really just taking tests and, and taking notes, listening to our professors. And so a lot of what we understand is, is head knowledge. So it's not so much clinical, it's more uh, we're going over anatomy, physiology, things like that. So we, as second year PT students, didn't at all feel comfortable seeing patients with low back pain or knee pain or whatever. We, we weren't there yet, but we sort of were laying the foundation. Now in that second year, sort of towards the end, we, we talked to one of our professors and he said, okay, as a PT class, we're going to meet with the, M, with the fourth year, almost graduated, so essentially MDs, we're going to meet with the fourth year medical doctor students. And we're going to go over cases. We're going to go over musculoskeletal cases. So this was intimidating. I at first thought, wow, I don't know if I know enough to to go through a case with someone who's gone through medical school. And I feel like they're going to have the upper hand. They're going to be much more knowledgeable than we are. And I mean, we, we were PT students and they were medical students in, in healthcare and especially at the Mayo Clinic. It's like, you know, the, the medical students were treated much, much better than the PT students. And, and so we, we kind of knew that there was this, this hierarchy. <laughs> it wasn't spoken of, but it was just known. And so the medical students were somewhat intimidating uh, and they were going to expose all of our insecurities as PT students. And that's what was going to happen at this meeting. Well, an interesting thing that my professor said, he said that we would actually be surprised at how little they knew and how they would approach a situation and we would actually be shocked at their process in this. And what he was saying was that, and obviously this this was like a, hey, let me talk to my students, boost their confidence. But he was being genuine because he had seen this over and over and over again. So every year this happened. And every year the PT students, for lack of a better term, like walked all over the medical students. It's not a, a sort of a slam at uh, medical students because they're, they're brilliant. These are the brightest minds. I mean, possibly in the country, in the world, like these are, these are brilliant people. I remember one of them had their PhD by the time they're like 18 and then they're going through medical school and they're only like 21. I mean, this is, these are, these are brilliant, brilliant minds. And so we, we get into the, this room and, and we're partnered. I was partnered with two medical students. So it was me and two medical students. And we start going through cases. And I, I remember getting the case of shoulder pain. And it read, you know, patient comes in, they're describing sort of a pinching sensation, pain when when lifting their arm. It said they had uh, some positive tests, some negative tests. And it said, okay, describe what your evaluation should look like. And what happened was the, the medical students immediately went to, we need a, it's a, if I remember right, it's almost like they, they skipped over the x-ray and went straight to like an MRI or a CT scan. And what they were saying is that we need to rule out, it was some obscure named tumor that, you know, is, is some one-off thing that um, is, is rare. And the patient came in with, with just sort of a standard impingement problem, which is just like, if you have shoulder pain, it's, it's likely impingement, it'll likely go away. And it can be evaluated with just some simple special tests, which are basically just a physical therapist putting your arm or a medical doctor putting your arm in different positions and seeing if your pain is reproduced. And so the the interesting thing was that because they were trained to think like this, to, to think 
at what I'll call the cellular level, at the pharmaceutical level where there's a medication type intervention, they're looking for the medication type problem. At the cellular level, what what sort of system or process in the body can they change to then improve the patient's situation? So think of it as like this, they call it homeostasis. So every every system in the body needs to function normally. And when it's not functioning normally, we need to intervene. And in the MD world, that, that means pharmaceuticals um, most of the time. And so their intervention is the medication. And so how they think and how they would view something as benign and basic and straightforward as shoulder pain, they went to an MRI and a CT scan. Now, what that does, and I, I, I was kind of taken aback. I said, well, if we just do these simple things, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is just a straightforward shoulder impingement. And you know, they, they probably don't need anything more than physical therapy. And if we jump to those things too soon, not only is it increasing the cost of care substantially, but what it does in the patient's mind is, so this this made-up case, this made-up lady that had shoulder pain, she's going through the MRI or the CT scan, and in the doctor's head, he's saying, well, I need to rule out for this tumor. And th- this does seem like an extreme example, because in the real world, I, I don't see this very often where they're saying, oh, you might have a tumor. Uh, but but they are ordering imaging quite a bit. And so the image is ordered and the radiologist comes back with a report and it, it'll likely find some stuff just because as we age, there's wear and tear and changes, degenerative changes that happen in, in our joints. And so let's say they find some arthritis or um, wear and tear to one of the tendons, or maybe a bone spur. Now those things, they don't necessarily mean that 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 needs to be gone for the shoulder to get better. And that's the problem is the patient gets that image. And then in their head, they're thinking, oh my gosh, like my shoulder is in terrible shape. And then they go down this road of thinking, man, I I just need surgery because that tendon's all broken down and there's a bone spur and I have arthritis. And what happens is they they end up in the surgeon's office. And so that, that primary care doctor was thinking that the image was necessary the image found something, so we think surgery is necessary. The surgeon does surgery. So again, they're brilliant. They're great at what they do, but they, they do surgery. So they're looking at this from a surgical perspective. And the physical therapist, so me in the room in this case study, normally I'm not there. Normally it's go to the primary care doctor. Then the primary care doctor makes the decision, usually based off of imaging. And so with the PT not there, this case, this patient would be sent down a road of maybe it's a tumor. We need to get rid of this arthritis. What does surgery look like? Let's do an injection. And it's like this cascade of events that the patient swept up in when really I'm over here saying, if you just give me a couple visits, I I really think this will turn around. We can change this. And that was one of two cases within this hour, two hour period that I spent um, with these medical students and it was really eye-opening. One, because I realized that as a physical therapist, we are incredibly valuable to the healthcare system. Now, if you have interacted with a physical therapist in the past and you have not felt like there was value there, that is a problem. And I'm going to explain that in my next podcast. I'm going to talk about why 
Physical therapy has gotten a bad name. Why? You might not see the value in physical therapy. But to have a patient with a musculoskeletal problem, so shoulder pain, back pain, headaches, and not be evaluated by a physical therapist that can look at movement in their joints and their muscles and, and think big picture about how to restore uh, the musculoskeletal system, then that patient will be swept down that road of, of pharmaceuticals, injections, surgery. Now, the MDs are brilliant, um, probably smarter than I am, and they are skilled, very, very skilled in that world. But the problem is that the, the type of provider that you are likely needing is not someone that's skilled in understanding drug interactions. It's not someone that's skilled in reading an MRI or an x-ray. And it's not someone that's skilled in injections or surgery. Now those things have their place, but early on for most people, you just need someone who can look at how you're moving and restore movement. And the medical doctor is just, they're not trained to think that way. They're not trained to do that. And that's why we have physical therapy. Physical therapy is not just a service uh, for the medical doctor to use. It can be that, but we are, we are a provider that's independent and we're working more towards autonomy because there's so much value in this. And there's so much value in, in the whole healthcare picture and how we can reduce the cost in that scenario. It, it would be the patient doesn't get the MRI, doesn't get the x-ray, doesn't get the injection, potentially avoiding surgery, and really just has like several visits with a PT and then they're on their way. Not only that, but but it's a cost savings to you, the patient. It allows you, the patient, to see your injury or your body correctly. I've worked with several patients that are just paralyzed by this image of arthritis or this image of their disc bulging or their image of their of their neck just, I don't know. It, it's just sort of debilitating to think of your body as so frail and and not resilient, which it is resilient. And so we need to we need to be careful what our healthcare system is doing, what image we're putting in you, the patient's mind. Okay. So again, let me say one more time that the medical doctor has incredible value in certain things like if we need to manage pain and you're seeing a good physical therapist, your pain just will not drop or you're too sensitive to even be worked on, the medication is appropriate then. If you have trauma, if there are irreparable musculoskeletal problems, then surgery can be a good option. If there's a joint that just will not calm down and it is impeding your ability to function in life, and you and again, you have seen and gone through the, the process of, of a good physical therapist, um, then those things are appropriate. It's just the order of how these things are happening that, that is the problem. And so it's not one or the other, it's just the timing of it, it's who you see first, it's how we're explaining these things, and unfortunately, usually the entry to the healthcare system is just jumping way ahead, and that physical therapist is not able to consult. Um, and again, in this case study with these medical students, what would have been great is they say, you know, I know that physical therapists are better equipped to do this, and so I'm going to refer to the physical therapist. Most medical doctors don't do that. They don't They don't think that way. They want to make that decision and feel like they have a handle on the situation. And so they will prescribe the treatment. And again, I, I don't blame them because as a provider, you want to help that patient. But oftentimes it's, it's saying, I don't know enough about this. 
I know a great physical therapist and I just think you need to visit them first before we even start talking about the medication imaging type stuff. But very rarely have found a provider who will do that. And oftentimes it comes back to you, the patient, because if you're educated enough to understand, hey, I need to find a good physical therapist. And if I can find that, they'll be very, very valuable to me. So you, the patient, are probably the best way to sort of drive this rather than trying to convince providers to do things differently. Because I've tried that and there are great providers out there. there. There are providers that I would recommend everyone go see. But uh, for the most part, we, we are kind of sort of stuck in our ways. Um, and so it, it can be a difficult transition. So that's why in how I set up my business, what I'm doing with this podcast, uh, my social media, I am, I'm very patient friendly. I, I talk to patients. I interact with patients. I want to talk to you, the headache or migraine sufferer, because you're the one I want to help. And so I don't, I do have relationships with other providers and I love to connect with providers, but that's not my focus. And that typically is the focus of other practices just because there's a sort of referral network that uh, is started. And and in that case, you're oftentimes catering more to the provider than the patient. And I think it, it can be more challenging to make change when we step outside of this whole system and look at what's happening. Okay, real quick, I'm going to hit on why the research hasn't provided us with real solutions so far. When I say research, in my personal journey, I wanted to understand what a migraine was. And believe it or not, in in PT school, they didn't go into this. Uh, And it's actually a sort of a, there's a lot of confusion around it. And even the neurologist will say, I, I don't have a good explanation as to what's happening. They have some theories behind it. But essentially, so if you take what we just talked about, where the medical doctors are trained at sort of a pharmaceutical level, which is a cellular level, they're looking at different body systems and trying to change those systems so that you can get back to that homeostasis rather than looking at like function and movement and, and that sort of stuff. So when they're at that level, the, the medical doctors are pretty much the only ones researching migraines. So I don't, I don't really know of any physical therapists that are researching migraines. So the research that's being done is driven by the medical doctor who's in this, this mindset of the pharmaceutical intervention, um, what's happening at the cellular level, what do we see with the central nervous system, how is that responding, how does the medication interact with blood vessels, how, how does our brain respond to different medications? What are the hormones doing when we get a migraine? Those are the questions that they're trying to answer. But no one in in that medical world or in the research world is backing up to say, where is this pain coming from in the first place? Because those things I just mentioned, it, it's, it's going to be rare that they're actually generating pain where the most likely response or the most reasonable explanation for this is that there is a mechanical sort of structural meaning your your neck's not moving and those muscles tendons ligaments are irritated the joints irritated similar to how we experience back pain or shoulder pain and that's where that pain comes from and it's just referring it into our head that's a very straightforward explanation it's actually very reasonable but it's just not how the md thinks and so it's it's kind of it's hard to think that in all this research and and all the the smart people that we've put in a room to try to figure out migraines, that it could just be a neck problem. But what I'm seeing is that it is, and it's 
it's treatable and it's something that you listening to this should have hope in because just because we put our our medical doctors on this doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to find that same solution because they might not be looking for the right stuff. Now, the research that they're doing is great. The medications that are coming out are great because it's not like all my patients get better and the medication is very helpful for a lot of people. So I'm not saying that's bad, but there's there's sort of this gap or absence of what I believe should be studied and should be the first line of care. So again, when it comes specifically to headaches and migraines, there need to be physical therapists that are doing this work, which there isn't. And I'll talk a little bit about that in my next podcast. But because there isn't, you start your your entry into the healthcare system is jumped into imaging and pharmaceuticals, which then leaves you feeling hopeless and like they're, we're just slapping a Band-Aid on the symptoms, which I hear all the time. And so I want you, the listener, to be encouraged by this because just because your neurologist, who is a very, very intelligent person who's trained in medicine, does not may not understand where your pain is coming from, that's okay because hopefully there's a provider in your area that can help you. If not, book one of my virtual discovery visits and let's talk about it. Let's figure out how you can get helped with this problem. And continue to listen to my podcast. Follow me on uh, on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook. I, I try to provide you with valuable material, exercises, stretches, things like that. And uh, let's figure this out together. Thank you for listening to the Headache Doctor podcast. I'm Dr. Taves, and it's my mission to empower everyone with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything you do.